0: Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected, and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week, and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now, with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Welcome to Connection Point Church. Welcome to those joining us online. I'm Pastor Zach. Shelly and I have the privilege of serving as lead pastors here. So glad you've joined us today. And uh, one of the things that Shelly and I were trained in, in missions work, is how to transition well. And so they taught us the acronym RAFT, R-A-F-T. And R is for reconciliation, reconciling those relationships that might be strained. A is for affirmation, so affirming those relationships you've been blessed with. F is taking time for meaningful farewells. And then T is to be sure you think about your destination, to prepare for what's to come. All of those things are really important. So as part of that process for us, I had taken time this past month in, in prayer and fasting just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal uh, things that I might need to apologize for. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I fall short, and I know it, so I, I know my own Faults and, and challenges and, and so then in prayer Holy Spirit brought a couple of instances to mind so I had set a time uh, set aside some time to meet with an individual and and was able to get together with them and, and just apologize and say hey Holy Spirit brought these things to mind and I just want to make sure I apologize to you for that and and thankfully forgiveness was was granted but here's the thing reconciliation is not just for times of transition in Christ it's important that forgiveness be a lifestyle something we regularly do because we all fall short. And if we don't live in forgiveness, we wind up in bitterness and miserable instead of full of love and peace and with hope for the future. In other words, what happens is is we live in our Adam self instead of in our Christ self. That's what happens. So where do you find yourself today? Are you living a lifestyle of forgiveness? Are you trapped in bitterness Uh, The good news is today in Christ, you have been forgiven. That's the testimony. And so what that means is, is then we can offer forgiveness to others. That's good news today. And so as we continue our message series in Ephesians, we're going to see how in Christ we are forgiven and we are adopted into God's family. How many are glad that we're adopted into the family of God? If there's a family you want to be adopted into, it's that one. Thankful for that today. So if you have your Bibles, hey, I do. I hope you do. I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. So we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, and we're going to start in verse 25. going to read a little bit longer passage this morning because we're going to finish four, get into chapter 5. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 is where we find ourselves. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. Hey, if you don't have a Bible with you today, we've got one underneath a chair in front of you. Welcome to borrow that and read along with us because we want you in God's word for yourself. And if you don't have a Bible at home, consider it a gift from the church, take it home with you uh, because we want you daily in God's word, not just on Sundays. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 25. And here's what Paul as inspired by the Holy Spirit is writing the believers in Ephesians. He says, Therefore, having put away falsehood, Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. These are the words of God. You may be seated this morning. So, we've been working through the New Testament book of Ephesians, defining what it means to be in Christ as followers of Jesus. And what we've discovered is that in Christ, we are blessed saints who can endure affliction and who are appreciated, saved, I I missed it, reconciled, heard, gifted, and new. I've got to look at the list too. It's gotten long now. All wonderful things, right? Praise the Lord. And from our passage this morning, we're not done. More things that we get to claim in our Christ-like identity. And here's what we find. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Stop and think for a a moment. Have you ever considered how sinful we are? Imagine writing down every wrong thing you've done and, and everything you should have done but didn't including every person you should have helped, every injustice you should have fought, and every dollar you should have given to help others. And then add to that all the sinful thoughts you've had, every sinful word you've communicated, every sinful motive that's compelled you to do anything, even seemingly good things. But then consider that each of these things is an offense to God and his rightful place as a ruler of all creation. But then consider how in love Jesus substituted himself for our sins and took our punishment for sins on the cross. That's what he did. What an extraordinary thing. God whom we've sinned against because of our rebellious nature chose to forgive us by sending his son Jesus to bear the weight of our sins on the cross so that we might be in right relationship with him. What an amazing God we serve. Like, he did it. He comes to us. So the continuing question in all of these messages are, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? This is so important that you answer that question. Because if so... God has forgiven you for all your sins, but you do have to be in Christ. Jesus shouted from the cross as his final words in triumphant victory. It is finished. It is finished. Like the work is done. He's done it. But have you accepted it? So now let me ask, have you accepted the forgiveness of Christ? Christ. Do you appreciate it? We should. And so then if we do, then then we should extend forgiveness to others as Christ did for us. And all things as Christ has done for us, we must do for others. It's the same for all of these identity characteristics we've been talking about. Since we have been blessed, we should bless others. Since we are saints, we should walk as saints. Since we are appreciated, we should appreciate others. Since we are saved, we should work to save others. Since we've been reconciled to God, we should work to reconcile with others. You see how this works? As Christ has done for us, we must do for others. That's really the the point of this series. Addressing who we are. That's the question. Ephesians, who are you? It's a question we're answering Because when we know who we are, we know what to do. When we know who we are, we know what to do. When we know that we are new, that the old no longer has power over us, then we can say no to sin and yes to God. Because that's who we are. We can walk in that new life that Jesus gives us. And when we've been forgiven, it's important we forgive others. Before moving into our, our townhome we currently live in, uh, we owned a home. It was on a half-acre lot, required a lot of yard maintenance, a lot of ketchup to do when we got there. So here's a picture of our family doing some nice yard work. I think Lucas was trying to stab me with a yard fork. And he's <laughs> like twice that size now. <laughs> so yard work was a common chore for us. And, of course, part of that yard work included pulling weeds. Who likes pulling weeds? Nobody raised their hand. Good for you. How many actually pull the weeds by the root? When you do pull weeds, you don't like doing Nice. How many of you, you just use the weed whacker? We've got some hands. <laughs> well, Shelly and I had to teach our kids the importance of pulling up weeds by their root. Because... You don't want to just remove them from the surface. And we all know this is important because if you don't pull up the root, what happens? They come back. But let's be honest, they come back with a vengeance, right? They multiply. And what we find from our passage this morning is that we only have two possible responses when it comes to those who have hurt us forgiveness or bitterness. One of two ways we're going to go. And like weeds, Scripture tells us bitterness has roots. When others hurt us, we can whack away at the surface. But what happens is, is we just get frustrated, we're disappointed, we're, we're angry, we're hurt, we're sad. Or what can happen is, is we can choose to deal with our bitterness before it takes root. And this is vital because if we don't pull up the root of bitterness, it returns bigger than ever. It's like a taproot. The longer you wait, the harder it is to pull it up. And here's the interesting thing about bitterness. It's often related to how much you love the offender. You ever considered that? Like if a stranger does something you perceive that causes you harm, not likely to become bitter. You know, somebody cuts you off in traffic, ah, eh, maybe it disturbs you for a minute or two and then you go on. Unless you've got real issues in your life and yeah. You know, <laughs> prayer rooms over there. So, But what we know is is that if a a loved family member or friend does something that bothers you, you're likelier to become bitter because you have higher expectations in that relationship. Those you love the most are the likeliest candidates for causing bitterness in your life. But here's the problem with bitterness, as we see from our passage this morning. If bitterness is an exchange for forgiveness it escalates and becomes increasingly devastating to ourselves and others. It actually ruins us. When we're bitter, we're easily irritated, agitated. We feel our blood pressure rising. When we start to slander others in an effort to vindicate ourselves and and make others look bad, that's part of what we do. And, And then sometimes the cycle of bitterness, it moves very quickly, like a raging fire, like in minutes or days. Other times, bitterness smolders slowly over the course of months or years. And I think if we're honest with ourselves this morning, we'd have to say we're all bitter at various times in our lives. In some way, things come up. And in those seasons, we tend to blame others for bitterness. But the truth is, people, even the most difficult of them, they really don't embitter us. Instead, they simply provide us the opportunity to choose to either forgive or be bitter. Something we become personally responsible for. As much as we might like to pin our bitterness on others, it belongs to us. It actually reveals the very condition of our own hearts. Amy Carmichael, a great 19th century missionary to India, she says it this way, For a cup full of sweet water cannot spill even one drop of bitter water. However, suddenly jolted. Here's what she means. If you are full of the sweet character of Christ, no matter what someone does to you, you won't spill bitter water. And so what Paul encourages us to do is to deal urgently with our anger and not wait even a day to address it or it'll eventually consume us. Failure to deal with it, Paul says, it grieves the Holy Spirit who desires and is able to help us work through our anger and bitterness so that Satan doesn't get a foothold in our lives. Because the longer we wait, the more ground we give to the enemy. So the answer we have from our passage regarding bitterness and anger is, be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. tender hearted Forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And admittedly, when we are bitter and angry, words like this can sound like hyper-spiritual hogwash. Right? Like if you're in the middle of it, you're like, you know what? Forget it. I, I just, it just doesn't sound like that's truth. And so then it pushes us to defend our bitterness by continually recalling the reasons for our pain. Because when we defend our angry bitterness, we appeal to a sense of justice that to forgive someone who has wronged us, it seems like we're condoning evil. And how do I know this? I've done it myself. We all live in those cycles at some point. I told you. This message is as much for me as everyone in this room, everyone online, and let's admit it, all greater Lafayette. It just is. This is a cycle that we operate in. Lord knows I've had to work through bitterness in my own life from time to time. And if I'm bitter, I find I have the ability to recall intricate details of the exact circumstances surrounding the events that have contributed to my hurt and anger. I can remember where I was when it happened, exactly what the person said, or other similar details. Even what the person is wearing, their tone of voice, their facial expressions. Like It's very clear, and here's why it's clear. Because what happens is we have these sharp memories because we've been replaying it and replaying it. And replaying it, it's taken up rent in our minds. We haven't followed the admonition of taking every thought captive to Christ. And so what happens is, as we keep digging up the past to emotionally relive in the present, which is actually, as Paul writes in another New Testament book, an unloving record-keeping of wrongs. That's what we're doing. And I know it's a little bit quiet in the room right now. And I would imagine it's because, as I've already shared, we've been bitter, all of us, at one time or another. Maybe you're living in bitterness right now. But here's the good news this morning. That's why I love the gospel. So I had, uh, in my degree, we were always taught in preaching. You leave them with good news. That's the gospel. (laughs) So the good news is this, this morning. You can be freed of bitterness in your life. Jesus doesn't want you living in it. He doesn't. He came to set you free. We sang about it this morning. Yeah. So don't be discouraged this morning, but rather encourage, knowing number one, you're not alone. Yeah. You're not alone in this. This is an issue common to all people. And the enemy would like you to think right now it's just you. Yeah. It's not. It's not just you. This is something we all get to work on, something that we all contend with. And in Christ, we can be set free. Amen. It's a work he does. Anybody grateful for that this morning? The fact is, biblical forgiveness, it's actually a revolutionary idea. It really is. Because when we forgive others, it actually has very little or anything to do with them. It doesn't. Instead, it has everything to do with God. Everything with him. As an act of worship to God, we must respond to others as God has responded to us with forgiveness. Forgiveness is a God issue. It's not really a people issue. So what does forgiveness look like? I think it's a good question. We find that forgiveness is both a decision and a process. It's two things. And so after that decision is made, you've taken time to pray. You make this decision to say, I know I need to seek out some forgiveness. And so then actions must follow. But what happens is, is as you make that decision, it's usually preceded by intense emotions, grief. Sadness, anger, you're going through that decision process, I know I need to do this. But then after the decision is made to forgive, it's important that actions follow. It could include a face-to-face meeting with another individual. And I recognize that could require some kind of safe setting or even a mediator, depending on the situation that took place. The action could be a phone call or a letter where you talk about the issue, your feelings about it, and express forgiveness for what has occurred. And the process for forgiveness, let me say it, it it takes time, depending on the factors surrounding the issue. Forgiveness is a lifestyle, just like a life of bitterness can be. So it's not a one-time thing. It's an ongoing work. So I want us to take a look at what is forgiveness. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is removing the control your offender has over you. That's what forgiveness is. Because so long as your offenders remain unforgiven, they continue to loom large in your life, maintaining an emotional presence. Through forgiveness, you emotionally free yourself from them. Forgiveness, what else is it? Forgiveness is giving a gift to your offender and yourself. Forgiveness includes the physical benefits of reduced anxiety, stress, blood pressure, The mental benefits of no longer obsessing over a person or issue, freeing you up to move on with your life. It's a gift for you. Forgiveness is leaving ultimate justice in God's hands. Sometimes forgiveness is difficult because it violates our sense of fairness and justice. But scripture promises that God will deal with everyone justly. So in forgiving, we don't neglect justice, but instead trust God for perfect justice. That's what we're doing. Forgiveness. What else is it? Forgiveness is an ongoing process, as already mentioned. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus responds, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. This was Jesus' way of saying that forgiveness is to be unlimited. What else is forgiveness? Forgiveness is wanting good for your offender. In forgiving others, we change from wanting them to suffer and pay to wanting them to be changed by God's grace, which does something in our heart. It just does. But as we talk about what forgiveness is, it's also important we talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not denying that something occurred. When we forgive someone, we don't say nothing happened or that something was no big deal. And said, we recognize when evil things happen, it was such a big deal, Jesus died for it. We know that. Forgiveness is, is not necessarily a response to a repentant apologies. That's what else it's not. We are for, to forgive whether there's an admission of guilt or not. Christianity is actually unique in this way. Forgiveness, what else is it not? Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's commonly believed that we should forgive and forget. I don't know about you. It's impossible. It's impossible. We can forgive without forgetting. What's important is that once we forgive, we no longer hold the issue against the other person and make it the continuing basis of our relationship with them. And lastly, forgiveness is not trust. Forgiveness is a process and trust is built over time. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The true test of whether or not we're bitter is our tongues. What do we say about our offenders? Do we pray for them? Paul writes from our passage this morning, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Even when the person we are bitter against isn't present, the Holy Spirit is. And he grieves when we speak ill of others. And not only that, what we know is children are impacted by their parents' bitterness. So it's not just affecting you, it's affecting your family. Generations can be affected. Circles of friends are poisoned. And entire churches can be consumed with the evil drama that proceeds from a tongue speaking on behalf of a bitter heart. So as we've been talking this morning, who's come to mind for you today? Who's come to mind? Either because you've caused them harm or because they have harmed you and you've never forgiven them. It is vital as our passage relates to let us not let sun go down. On our anger. Instead, make things right by forgiving others who have harmed you and by God's grace seeking forgiveness from those whom you have harmed. Because in Christ we are forgiven. We are forgiven. And so let us walk with forgiveness with others. And the other thing we find from our passage this morning is that in Christ we are adopted. In Christ we're adopted. Adoption in the ancient Roman context was generally not about babies and childless couples finding a way to have children. Instead, the adoptees were usually adults, and adoption was first of all a legal arrangement to provide an heir who would receive an inheritance and enter into a new household with all of its privileges and responsibilities. It's a little bit different than what we have today. Simply put, political leaders in need of protecting empires occasionally chose an adult Heir to adopt in an effort to extend the greatness of their legacy beyond their lifetime. Different motivation for adoption in the Roman world. And in the midst of this, here's what I love. Christians started doing something counter-cultural by adopting children for reasons quite different from those in affluent circles. Christians, many of them poor, began adopting kids left to the streets and taking them in as family. But Why? Because of what Paul shares in our passage this morning. Because we were once sons and daughters of disobedience, but now we're heirs with Christ. That drove them to say, as we have been adopted, we should adopt. It's amazing how Jesus informs our decisions. Jesus, who was adopted by his earthly father, Joseph, came and made a way for us to be adopted into the family of God. It's incredible. If there was ever a family, as I shared before, that you want to be adopted into, it's the family of God. It's got the best dad. It really does. Paul refers to God as Father eight times in the book of Ephesians. If you are in Christ, God the Father has freely chosen you to spiritually adopt, love, love, Live with and bless. God chooses you. And our adoption comes through Jesus who declared, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And so, in that way, Jesus is both the Son of God and our big brother. What a great big brother! He's an heir. So Jesus says the big brother, he is the heir of all that is the father's. In Christ alone, we are adopted and receive all the benefits and blessings that are his because he has graciously chosen to share them with us. He did it. This is why Paul says that we are joint heirs with Christ. That's a really important phrase. So what does our adoption mean? Well, it means we're adopted into a family. The family of God. We are adopted with an inheritance. And when the kingdom of God is fully established, this will include a resurrected glorified body. Entrance to the kingdom of God and the new heavens, new earth. Which will really be a huge family reunion filled with worshipful feasting and celebrating at the table of our father. What a glorious day that's going to be. We can sit around and share stories about all the things that God did through Connection Point Church. Won't that be fun? What a glorious day that will be. According to our passage, we both enjoy the blessings of adoption, but then we also take on the responsibilities of adoption. There's twofold. And the key to living like this is knowing the Father. This is so important this morning. Our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, Loving, gracious, merciful, patient, holy, helpful, and generous. And the more we get to know him through scripture, through prayer, through song, through giving, all these ways we get to know God the Father. The more that we get to know him in this way, the more we will come to love and enjoy him. You will wind up loving what he loves and hating what he hates. As Christians, our goal is to not merely experience behavior modification by changing how we act and react, but to get to know, love, and trust God as our Father and allow His Spirit to transform our hearts and lives. Christianity is not about behavior modification, it's about knowing the Father who changes us. That's what it is. Because the same Spirit that empowered Jesus and raised him from the dead lives in us all. Thank you, Lord. So by being adopted, we are heirs of all that is Christ's fully privileged sons and daughters of God and adopted fully in Christ with the best dad ever. That's who we are. So the question this morning is, how well do you know him? Are you being changed by him? To grow in relationship with God, I encourage you, read God's word. Read scripture, apps a great way. To read through the Bible and learn about who God is. Spend time in prayer, serve alongside others, enjoy Christian fellowship with others. All of these are ways that we get to know who God is. And in doing so, you'll get to know Him more and more and become more like Him. And so what's our takeaway today? In Christ, we are forgiven and we are adopted. We're forgiven, we are adopted. So today, as we close, when I ask who you are, we can declare in Christ, I'm made new as a blessed saint who can endure affliction and who's appreciated, saved, reconciled, heard, forgiven, and adopted. What a list. What promises we have in Christ that you're new, you're heard, you've been given gifts You've been saved and reconciled. You're appreciated and blessed, forgiven and adopted, and you can endure affliction as a saint. All right, so let's stand together. Powerful declarations every week as we work through and see who we are in Christ. It's a long list this morning. Can you do it? Can we do it together? All right, who are you? Amen. So let's live in that this week. In Christ, we have been made new and have all of these wonderful characteristics that we can be in him. So important this morning. And while you're standing this morning, I want to ask, are you here today and you realize you really don't know your heavenly father? But today you'd like to make a decision to follow Jesus and be adopted into the family of God. No better decision you can make in your life. No more important decision you can make in your life because you're adopted now, but for all of eternity. And so that's what we want to do. So right now you can make that decision to follow Jesus and be adopted into the family today. So with every head bowed and eye closed, just a a question between me and you this morning because I want to pray with you before we get into water baptisms. Who here today would say that I, I want to be adopted today into the family of God? Who would say that's me? Just designate that with raising your hand today to say, that's me today. I want to be adopted into God's family. No greater family to be adopted into today. Over here on the right, anybody else? Let's say, that's me today. I want to be adopted into God's family. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you that you invite us into your family and you made the way. We were the offenders, but that didn't matter to you. You sent your son anyway. He sent him a dying across for us to give us entrance into your eternal kingdom and into relationship with you forever. And so, God, I pray for the individual that raised their hand and maybe others of, of whom you're working in today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would minister to their hearts and lives and help them to see the privilege and the joy of living in your family. God, I pray that you would strengthen us all as we continue to look at who we are. I pray that we we put on Jesus every day we put on your character that that we can walk in the identity that you've shaped us in and that you are shaping us in. So Lord, I just pray that uh, as we were sharing today and talking about forgiveness and adoption, as, as people may have been brought to our minds, God, I just pray that you would strengthen and embolden and by your spirit, give people the strength they need to walk that out this week and in the weeks to come or months to come. God, we just trust you for the good work that you're doing and believe you for greater things in Jesus' name. We pray these things today. Amen. Amen.